We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mike Ashley was very lucky with what he inherited at the club. He inherited a stadium that didn't need to be 
Right. Uh, good evening, everyone. Oh. The lights are going out all over Europe. Um, welcome to the uh, Magpie Group's second public meeting here at the Labour Club. Uh, just a quick piece of housekeeping. Um, fire exits, there, there, there. There's no plans for an alarm. If the alarm goes off, see if you can keep up with me. That'll be the safest way of getting out. Um, 
at the last meeting, uh, we said we would try to get our local uh, parliamentary re representatives uh, here, uh, and I'm very pleased to say we've got both Chion Wura and Ian Mains here tonight. And it's also a great pleasure to have uh, Kevin Miles, Chief Executive of the Football Supporters Federation. Um, each of them will give us their perspective on uh, what's happening at Newcastle United and perhaps uh, give us some advice in terms of how we can win this struggle to reclaim what is our club. Um, we've been busy as a group uh, since we last met on the 4th of September. Uh, we've shifted the focus of the protests away from Northumberland Street and up to the Sports Direct shop at St. James's Park. And that's had some success. We were getting bigger numbers. We're getting more vociferous support. Um, and last Saturday, we were treated to the site of club stewards pulling down banners in support of Kevin Keegan and Rafa Benitez, two heroes of Newcastle United. Through the looking glass doesn't even begin to capture it. It's madness. How can a club even think about doing that? Well, I suppose it's the way that the Ashley regime thinks. However, we are starting to see the narrative around the club change. Um, I think we're, we're developing a, a better understanding nationally of the situation that we're facing. And we're moving against the false information being put out by people like Dennis Wise, Andy Gray, Richard Keyes, all very reputable characters from the past. Um, instead, what we're seeing is people like uh, Ian Wright on the BBC um, explaining uh, why this should no longer be allowed to continue. And that's a bloke who supports Arsenal. It's important that we build that support um, across the community, across the nation. And it's one of the reasons why it's so important to have Chi, Ian, and Kevin here tonight. But again, the main focus of this evening is about developing our relationship with you. You are the greatest resource that the Magpie Group can tap into. You have skills and experience that we don't have. And we want your ideas and suggestions about how we can take this struggle forward. Uh, at the last meeting, a number of suggestions were made. We recorded all of those. And we also picked up the suggestions that we were receiving online. So we've distilled that down into um, 11 different suggestions. You'll find a series of little things like this. Um, what we want you to do is to say which is your first choice of those 11 and mark that one by ringing 1. The second choice one should have the number 2 circled and so on down to number 11. So number 11 would have number 11 circled. This is not difficult. Right. Um, we will then count up the, uh, the various uh, votes uh, from, from this evening. And then we will use that to inform how we go forward from here. And obviously, we'll keep you informed about that. Um, there's also a sheet on the tables uh, for you to provide us with your contact details, um, telephone, email, that sort of thing. Um, 
if you haven't already visited the, uh, the Magpie Group uh, site, I would strongly recommend that you do so. I would also strongly recommend that you sign up to the newsletter because that is the best way of keeping up to date with what's going on. There are some fairly exciting plans uh, for the Magpie Group uh, website, which would include a, a group forum. Uh, so if you sign up for that, that will be great. Um, I think that's basically everything that I want to, to say at the moment. Um, I guess the, without further ado, uh, we'll pass over to, to Chi, uh, Chi Onwura, season ticket holder, MP for Newcastle Central. Hi, thanks so much, and thanks, uh, first let me say I'm not a season ticket holder, you know, but I am a fan, and I'll talk a bit about that, um, and also just thank you, thank you to the Magpie Group for bringing you all together, and thanks for inviting me to say a few words, and I do want to try and keep it just to a few words, so let me know if I'm going on a bit. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm Chion War, I'm the MP who has the huge privilege of having Newcastle United, St. James's Park, in my constituency. And I'm the MP for so many Newcastle United fans. And I just wanted to say a little bit about the petition that I presented in Parliament, what the next steps could be, and, um, you know, what, what we hope to achieve from this. So I, I, there's a, I think it's on most of, your, most of the tables, there's a copy of the petition that I presented in Parliament in July. And that came about because I was contacted by fans about the, you know, what was, you know, I knew what was happening with the transfer window. I was contacted by fans about the If Rafa Goes, We Go uh, movement. Now, some of you may know, I boycotted St. James's Park for three years when they put Wonga on the shirt. And, um, you know, I found that really, really hard, much harder than I expected to. And, and I'm not, you know, like I said, I don't go to every match, you know, like, like Ian does. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm the number one fan, but I found it really, really hard missing out on that. And I didn't think Newcastle United fans should have to threaten to leave the club, which is ours, you know, because of the man, because of the, of how the, of the ownership. So I said that I, as MPs, all MPs can put down petitions, you know, in Parliament. So I quickly put down, got some signatures, put a petition in Parliament. It attracted, just saying that we wanted proper, you know, investment in the club and support for the manager, Rafa. Um, it attracted a lot of attention, m you know, more than I expected, a lot of support. I've had people coming up to me in the street and thanking me. And it also, which I really did not expect, um, attracted um, Ashley's attention, you know. And, after, you know, someone, I've spent five years trying to speak to him. It hasn't worked. But after the petition, he wrote to the Secretary of State responsible for sport you know, basically saying that my petition was full of lies, that he'd invested a lot in the club, that we fans were creating a media circus where he was being portrayed as a, as a pantomime clown, I think he said, you know, like, well, like, you know, like he needs our help to do that, um, you know, but he also, he also made a number of claims about how much he'd invested in the club, how much he supported the Newcastle United Foundation, which let me say, and I know does fantastic work in many of our communities, and um, how much he had, um, and how much he had, how much he was, how, how much he was supporting Newcastle United as a club. 
So I responded to that, and I wrote to the BBC um, about the advertising issue, which, you know, which was not clear from the books, and I also wrote up back to the Secretary of State, because I think, you know, Ashley basically opened a door by talking to us, you know, writing to, this, to the government saying how much he had invested in our club. And we have no way of verifying those claims. So I've written to the Secretary of State saying that I want, an in, I want an investigation. He's made these claims about how much equity he's got, how much he's invested in the club, how much he's, you know, how much he's supporting the club. I think he, we've got no way of knowing that because there's no transparency. And there's no transparency about his financial dealings between M Mike Ashley Sports Holdings, between Sports Direct, now with Debenhams, you know, and, the and Newcastle United. So what, you know, how, you know, you know I, I am expecting a response from the Secretary of State, but I just wanted to talk a bit about some of the other next steps to take, because, you know, I, I, I think this is, this is something that's really important to Newcastle, and that's why I'm, you know, that's why I'm here. But it's also something about fans and Premier League football, mainly Premier League football, and the money swilling about it, and the ownership of our clubs, and the lack of transparency, which should be raised and debated in Parliament. And I think the most, for me, um, you know, I can write more letters, and some people have asked me to write letters about the training ground, you know, the purchase of the training ground, and about the Premier League report, which is required of all Premier League clubs, but we don't get to see. But for me, you know, my priority now is to follow the money. Uh, because I think this is for Ashley, this is about money. And he is making claims about his support for the club. He's saying that he's put in place loans, which have somehow doubled. He's saying that all the, all the transactions, you know, are, are open. And, we, and I'm going to, I think we should be following the, the money, particularly around... Uh, the training ground and how that was um, you know, how that was purchased and how the, the investment in it, the the, the land around the, the strawberry and the leasehold there and what you know what how 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 has that been? I mean the thing that gets me is Mike Ashley owns Newcastle United. We know that he owns Sports Direct because he owns both of these. He can like take things from one and put them somewhere else. And we don't know anything about it, and we've got no rights to see that. He can take money out of Newcastle United, which he owns, like a toy, and put it into Debenhams or whatever else that he owns, and we know nothing about that. And I don't think that's right. You know, I think Newcastle United is, you know, is our team, and we should have some way of knowing where the money is going. So what I, so my focus, you know, so, you know is going to be on following the money on the training ground, the straw, the land around the strawberry, and advertising. And anything else that you want to suggest to me that you think that you think I should be inve I should be investigating, or asking the select committee to investigate it, or asking for a debate in Parliament to debate it. And so, what I'd like to ask from you is to you know to let me know what issues you see that I should be raising. But also, you know, it's no point me saying to the Secretary of State, "Oh, it's um, it's terrible that um, Mike Ashley has sold this land off without." without making it public, if actually it is all accounted for somewhere. So if you know there's answers to some of the questions that I'm raising, then let me know because we can focus on other things. Now, I can also raise another petition, you know, get more, get more signatures, put in another petition, and uh, we can have 
it's, I think, a, a debate in Parliament on football ownership generally and specifically on, Newcastle, on the ownership of Newcastle United. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what I see as the disadvantages. Because I've thought about this a lot, you know. I know, you know I, 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 it's really important to me that, and one of the things I, I like about the Magpie Group is that it's, it's, that it's positive and constructive, and it's important to me that we do it. So uh, the, the disadvantages of pissing Ashley off, I thought, is two big ones. Yeah, there's, 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 uh, so the disadvantages of, of this campaign, there's two big ones. One is pissing Ashley off. You know, because as I understand it, he's a very, I don't know him, as you know, I've tried to meet him, you wouldn't meet me. Um, he's a very stubborn man. And maybe by sort of this campaign against him, it can make him even more stubborn and entrenched and more determined not to sell Newcastle or to give the investment. So I don't know what you think about that, but I, for me, I've spent the last, you know, five or six years not pissing him off, you know, and it hasn't got us anywhere, you know? So I don't see how pissing him off can be worse than not pissing him off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, you know, I'm ready to take, you know, <laughs> advice and recommendations. And then the other issue I thought about was whether it will, it will lower the price of the club. Because we're campaigning against, you know, Ashley and his ownership, whether it undermines the value of the club. And I know, I'd, again, I'd be interested in your opinions, but I think it's really clear that what we're campaigning against is bad ownership. It's not undermining the value of the club, because the value of the club is in the, 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 the team, the players, the manager, and the passion of the fans. And that is what counts. And that is what, you know, Ash, Ike Ashley, in the way he's owning the club, he's actually undermining that because Newcastle United could be a bigger club making more of a contribution to our city than it is if the fans and the management and the ownership and the team were all playing on the same side. So, but again, that's something um, I'd, I'd like your opinions on. And then, um, you know, sort of finally, one of the disadvantages um, for me, if you like, and, and for Ian and for, and for the Magpie Group, is that those who defend um, Ashley um, will be attacking us. And I understand that at the, you know, the recent fans uh, forum, um, I came in for some criticism. Clearly in Ashley's letter, he said that, I think he basically implied that I was deluded and making things up and um, you know, not, not a real fan. So I have um, you know, one kind of response to that which is to put on um, the shirt, which I don't wear, you know, because I don't, you know, generally wear my colours, but this is, this is my new pastor. This is definitely my shirt. My shirt. And I actually don't remember what season I got this, but it was definitely... <laughs> well, yeah, it was definitely before Ashley was in charge, and it was definitely before... I was a member of parliament. So anyone who's like implying that this is some sort of, you know, short-term media opportunity for me is as a politician, you know, is absolutely wrong. I am a fan of Newcastle United. I'm not the number one fan. I'm going to leave that to Ian, but I am a fan. 
Yeah, um, but I would want to say also that I am here as a politician, and I am here because I'm a politician, and it's because I'm a politician, because I'm a Labour politician. You know, you know also obviously as, uh, as an MP, your passions influence your work. You know, and I'm passionate about engineering. You know, because I was an engineer. I'm passionate about women in women in science. I'm passionate about social equality. I'm passionate about football. But I'm, I'm also, I think Newcastle United, as a Labour politician, I think Newcastle United is not a rich man's toy. It's an asset of the city, our city and the people in the city. And I think, again, you know, as a politician, that the fans put so much into the club, you know, it's just if it's the season tickets turning up, the support, the cheers, that they deserve some say in the running of the club. And I think that as, a as Newcastle's representative, I think that the club, the one club, we have only one club in Newcastle, and we all support it, and it supports our economy, and it is important for our city, for our economic development, for our prosperity. Definitely important for our mental well-being, because some of the, um, <laughs> some of the, <laughs> some of the things I heard on the, in the... <laughs> At the game on um, on on um, Saturday, we're not representative of well-balanced people. Let me say that. Uh, so I think you know that's that is why I'm here. I am a politician. I you know that's why I'm here. I'm here to represent your views. I'm here to rep. I'm proud of the team. I'm proud that it's. I'm a fan, but I'm here to represent you. And then just finally, finally, the funniest thing. I've just got to tell you this because it's the funniest thing ever. Which um, was um, when I presented my t petition. You have to hand it in at what's called the petitions office in Parliament, which is, you know, like full of um, an old room full of, of wood panelling and stuff. And they ask, you the, they ask me the question, I mean, you know, you have to declare an interest. So they asked me, did I have an interest to declare? You know, and I got a bit nervous because I want to do the right thing. I said, well, well, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Newcastle. He said, but you don't derive any material benefit from that, do you? <laughs> So, so anyway, so thanks very much. I'm going to hand over now to um, you know someone who has um, who's be, who is there every at every match and who is a fantastic fan of Newcastle United, but also really importantly is impor is involved in Parliament in the fans groups. And I'm going to hand over to the MP my, from across the river. And thank you for making the trip. You know, I'm going to hand over to Ian Mearns. Well, it might come as a surprise to some people in the room, but I've been an MP for eight years, but I've been a Newcastle supporter since um, just before my 10th birthday when I attended my first game watching Newcastle playing an FA Cup tie against Coventry City, and Newcastle won 4-3 and win Davies got a hat-trick. So, you know, that's, that's how long I've been supporting Newcastle. So I was being asked by Radio Newcastle this morning, you know, um, why are you as an MP getting involved? Well, I've been a supporter a lot longer than I've been an MP. And just because I'm, a, I'm an MP doesn't mean I've got to shut up about football because it's important to me. It's important to an awful lot of my constituents, yes, on the other side of the river, but it's important to the prosperity of the whole region as, um, as Chi's just been talking about. And, you know, during that period, yes, I've 
lived through the sort of Westwood, McKeague, Seymour era, and then, the, you know, the John Hall group that, that, that took over, and then Freddie Shepard, and now they've sold on, and Ashley's been there. And I'm just, I was just thinking, actually, it's 11 years since Ashley took over. Um, for my 50th birthday, my mates got us a shirt, Newcastle shirt, and on it, it had the big 50, and then above that, it said false stones, 50 false stones, because that's kind of what I experienced as a Newcastle fan. The trouble is that shirt's now 11 years old, because it's 11 years since I got that shirt, and 11 years since Mike Ashley uh, took over. Now, in Parliament, and Kevin will talk about this a little bit later on, I actually established an all-party parliamentary group for football supporters that was already an all-party group for football. And I went along, and I do still go along to the meetings of that, but it seemed to me that what that group was looking at was the interests of the clubs, of the FAs, of the leagues, of the management of the game. And I thought it was actually important to establish a group which was about the interests of the paying customers who, whose blood, sweat and tears go into supporting our clubs uh, week in, week out. And I just, I just thought that was underrepresented. So we established the all-party parliamentary group for football supporters and the Football Supporters Federation, where, and Kevin Miles is the chief executive of that, provides the secretariat of that group. Now, an all-party parliamentary group sounds a bit important, but I'll just put a bit of context into that. If you can think of a country or an insect or a lizard, it's probably got an all-party parliamentary group that meets about it. So, you know, the, they, are, they are important in their way, but it's not like uh, the official business of parliament, like, you know, like a select committee or a bill committee. It's, it's interest groups set up and run by MPs and interested um, lo lobby groups. But, but we thought it was important to establish that because we could see that there were problems in terms of the, the governance of the game, governance of clubs, and also things like ticket pricing. And, you know, the Football Supporters Federation did have some success with a campaign on, you know, the, the 20s Plenty campaign. Okay, it was pegged at 30 quid, but I'd rather pay 30 quid than 54 or 62, as I've been charged at some of the London clubs in the last um, few years. And unlike Chi, yes, I have met Mike Ashley. I met him in the away end when he first started going to the games because he used to go in the away end at, at other grounds around the country. And uh, you, remember, you remember seeing him on, um, on, on Match of the Day and that a pint at Arsenal. Well, you know, that he, so I actually did meet him a couple of times, but I must admit I didn't warm to the guy even even then. And what have we seen through the last 11 years? We've seen net income from transfers most seasons. We've seen our beloved club relegated twice. Let's not forget the two relegations, by the way. How precarious it has been, being a football supporter at Newcastle under the Ashley regime. We've seen merchandising basically plateau. And we know that the, 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 um, the, the money from the merchandising quite often doesn't see its way into the coppers of Newcastle United as an entity. And what we've also seen during that period is TV revenue go through the roof. And yet, I believe Newcastle United is unique 
in the world. And I mean unique. There's only one place and only one club like it. Can anybody in this room stick your hand up and tell me of another club anywhere in the world that hasn't won a domestic trophy for 60 plus years and still gets crowds of 50,000? Anybody tell me anywhere in the world that that happens? Because I've, I've never, I've asked that question lots of times and nobody can come up with the answer. That is why we are different. And we are a big club, but we could be so much of a bigger club if we had an ownership structure and an owner who was actually interested in untapping the asset of the fan base, untapping the asset of the fan base. Fans here are crying out for success. If we could actually get a bit of success on the pitch, can you imagine what sort of demand there would be for tickets up at St. James's Park on a week-in, week-out basis. So what do I have to do to convince this bloke? Well, he's a businessman. And do we think he wants to retain the club? Do we think he wants to sell? Frankly, I don't think we should try and second-guess what's in his mind. We just don't know. But I think one thing that Mike Ashley does need to realise as a businessman is, when you come to buy and sell things in the market, the value of assets can go down as well as up. And that's why him asking for 350 or 400 million pounds after he's depreciated that asset for 11 years is completely and utterly unrealistic. Now, Chi says I'm, you know, a big supporter. I, I was a big supporter. I, I mean, before I became an MP, I literally would go home and away every week. But since I became an MP, I've been restricted in that. I've got to work sometimes at weekends. I try to get to every home game. And I still sit in the Gallagher end in block, block S. So if you want to find us up there and fill us in, that's where I sit in Block <laughs> S. Look here. And... I've been a bit of an operator in my time as well, you know, because, you know, sometimes you see an eye for a chance. I remember quite a number of years ago, I think it's probably about 23 years ago, um, I, I, didn't, I couldn't afford a season ticket then, I was skint. So me and my mate Brian Hall, he bought the season ticket and I shared it with him. And because there was 19 games, I said, look at Brian, you're buying the ticket, I'll pay for the ticket every other week, uh, but you get first pick and you get the last pick as well. So you get first pick, and you go on Sunderland, and I go on Man United, right? And that was the season we won 5-0 at home. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I can't remember how we, how we did against Sunderland that, that year. I I'm pretty sure we won, but I think I had the better game of the two anyway, but as, as it happens. So we've got an awful lot of job on our hands here. Mike Ashley is a difficult bloke to work out. And I think he's probably just being stubborn and he's probably just thinking, I'm going to show these jolly bastards something here by just doing what I want to do rather than what other people tell us. But sometimes we as politicians and MPs do get involved in what is known as extra-parliamentary activity. Now, Chi's petition is extra-parliamentary activity. It's gaining names out there. And I think what we can do as MPs and as politicians and as supporters is do what we can do in the public eye to give them bad publicity 
to call him out for his shocking working practices at his company, Sports Direct, the Dickensian sort of way in which he treats people at his headquarters at Shirebrook, all of that stuff. And if we can embarrass him enough to get into a position where he just wants to walk away and leave it all, great, job done. But it's a long way to go, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you. It's a long way to go. He'll not be an easy bloke to oust. But I think we've got to have a real go. Otherwise, we could be stuck with him for an awful long time. And the prospects then, I'm afraid, for our club, for our support, as our mates that go week in, week out, will continue to be very bleak indeed. So let's keep up the fight. Thank you very much. Right, good evening again. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking for uh, Kevin. Oh, there you are, Kevin, sorry. Um, Kevin's agreed to uh, speak to us for a few minutes from the uh, Football Supporters Federation perspective, and then we'll, uh, we'll take uh, questions um, for, from the room um, until basically we get sick and tired of it. Um, and then, uh, then we'll all have a drink and go home. Okay, so Kevin Miles. First of all, I'd like to thank the Magpie Group for the invitation. I'm here with a, uh, a metaphorical, figurative, different hat on uh, from usual. I'm here representing the National Football Supporters Organization, the Football Supporters Federation, who as it says, the name, um, it says pretty much what it says on the tin. It's a national federation of football supporters. Uh, and the f we have about half a million members drawn from football clubs up and down the country, up and down the footballing pyramid at every level of the game. And football is a very tribal sport. And yet the very existence of the Football Supporters Federation, the fact that we can have a national organization that brings together thinking football supporters from all of those different clubs who may be at loggerheads with each other on the pitch, even off the pitch, week in and week out, and yet can recognize that they've got a common interest in how the whole of the game is run and managed and how they are treated as supporters in the, in the course of the game. I think the fact that that organization exists at all is testament to the fact that Tribalism only goes so far, and sometimes you've got to put differences aside because we've got a common interest in this. Now, having said that football's tribal, and I'm here from that national organization, I feel quite comfortable here because, as some of you may know, this is my tribe. Uh, by coincidence, and it is by coincidence in this aspect, I happen to be a Newcastle fan. I've been a season ticket holder for a quarter of a century. I went to my first game in... 1968, um, it was against Manchester United. I remember my most vivid memory of that day was watching George Best taking a corner in the Lees' end where I was with my dad and the dawning on me for the first time as an impressionable eight-year-old kid, the football happened in colour. <laughs> I was so struck by the green of the pitch and the red and white of the Manchester United shirts and obviously 
the black and white stripes of my own tribe, my own team, that that was a revelatory moment. And from that moment on, I was absolutely hooked. And in one form or another, I've tried to follow and support my team the best I can. Now, far too often in my personal history, that's involved having to protest against things that that club are doing. In 1994, which is incredibly 24 years ago, I was involved in a campaign and there was a temporary group that sprang up around it called the Independent Newcastle United Supporters Association. Some of you may remember this, against the bond scheme, where Freddie Fletcher, as chief executive, tried to make people, because it was a successful period and the ground capacity was only 36,000, with almost all sold out the season ticket holders, they were coming up with a way then, how can they screw even more money out of fans? And they used, they played on the fact that people weren't confident that they would be able to get to watch the matches under that Keegan era as it was then. They were terrified that they wouldn't be able to get in. So they were asking for £500 extra a year. Bear in mind, it's 24 years ago, so it's even more money than it is now. An extra £500 for a bond, and all the bond did was guarantee your right to buy your season ticket. Didn't pay for your season ticket, it guaranteed the right. Now, I always thought that as a season ticket holder, one of the few rights you had was the right to renew your season ticket and that you weren't going to... But the, the fact that they were trying to extort money out at that stage uh, was what motivated me to get involved in, a, in an organisation of football supporters for the first time in 1994. Now, that shows that protesting about things and speaking up for ourselves is partly in the blood as well. And to be honest, it shouldn't be necessary. My job shouldn't be necessary. It shouldn't be necessary that the football supporters have to get organised just to defend the principles and the, the participation and their enjoyment of the support. Most of us want to go to football to relax. We want to go to let off steam. We want to go to be entertained. We want to go and wonder at people doing things that we can't do with a football. We don't want to have for yet another battlefield in life, yet another thing that you've got to give up your time and your energy to fight about. But unfortunately, that's the position we're in. And we're not just in that position at Newcastle. It's a position that fans up and down the country are facing on many, many different issues. Now, I was thinking about this on the way, and the issues that we're facing at Newcastle are things that only really football fans would properly understand. Because if you asked an accountant to look at Newcastle and say, and said to them, isn't this a terrible situation? An accountant might look at the balance sheet at Newcastle and say, well, actually, if you compare it to some of the other clubs in the Premier League, you've got a very good balance sheet. You're not in debt. You've, got, you know, you've made a profit on the transfer window. What a marvellous achievement that is. If you're a lawyer looking at the owner of Newcastle United, you might say, well, I've been through everything, and I cannot find a criminal charge to bring against him he sees sales close to the wind, but he hasn't actually committed an offence, so I don't see a problem here. Any of those professionals, somebody who didn't really understand the support, the sport, might look at last season's league table and say, well, aren't you doing well? Isn't this a great situation, finishing the top half of the Premier League? But a real football fan will know that what's actually happening here, the crime that's being committed by Mike Ashley, is he sucking the soul out of a football club? I, 
I travel up and down the country, obviously, talking to football fans from all lots of other clubs. And they all love to take the mickey out in Newcastle fans. But you can tell they're doing it tongue-in-cheek when they say, oh, you've got unrealistic expectations at Newcastle. You're deluded in what you think. You've got a sense of entitlement that you think you're a big club and you should be winning things on a regular basis. And I chuckle to myself and I compare us to Arsenal fans last season complaining because they're, they're only getting the cup finals. What a disastrous situation that is and, and, and all this sort of thing. But I actually think that if there are football clubs, well-run and badly run, up and down the country, where the, football, where the fans of that club have expectations far lower than ours. The clubs, supporters of a, fan like Accrington, of a club like Accrington Stanley or Rochdale or Swindon or whatever else, they know that it's never, they're never going to compete at the Premier League level. It's highly unlikely they'll ever get to that sort of level. And yet they're loyal and enthusiastic about their club and they're not as jaded in their attitude towards the club as I've become. And that's because even at that level, and you see it at non-league level as well, I go to Blythe Spartans on a regular basis. And you know what, then, they're not, I'm not watching footballers as good as I can get to see in the Premier League. You're not going to compete in there. Blythe Spartans are going to end up getting to the Europa League. But at clubs like that, they all know that they have a club which is striving to be the best it can be. They are trying to improve week in, week out, month in, month out, season in, season out. They are trying to become more effective. They're trying to become better. They're trying to compete. And the worst thing for me about the situation at Newcastle now is I do not have that feeling about the people who are running the football club here that they care about being the best that they could be. And that's not really a huge expectation from a football fan. It should be absolutely basic about what we, sh what we should do. Now... I'm here to put the Newcastle stuff to one side on behalf of the Football Supporters Federation. And the, thing I'll, the first thing I'll say to you, as I would say to any other, and I have done in many other meetings of a similar nature, because sadly, fans having to get organised to fight for their interests is all too common up and down the country. But I'll say what I said to the, the rally of Blackpool fans. I'll say what I've said to Coventry fans. I'll say what, the fans have, have, what I've said to fans of Blackburn Rovers and all of those who have had issues with their owners. You have the solidarity of football supporters up and down the country. And out my organisation, the Football Supporters Federation, your organisation, is there to help organise and to mobilise that. Because there isn't a football fan in the country who, doesn't, who hasn't either been through something similar or knows that there but for the grace of God they could go. Because up and down football, unfortunately, we have a position where football fans find they have a loyalty to a club that exists in no other industry, that in no other walk of life are customers as loyal to an establishment or a business as football fans are. They have that loyalty exploited and they have no power and no influence and watch decisions being taken over their heads week in and week out. And that's the general understanding of, of that situation, the position of football fans, is what builds that solidarity, it builds that sort of common feeling. So I'll give you a guarantee from now, and it's always been the case, but if there's anything that the Football Supporters Federation can do to help in the campaign that you've got going here, say the word and you can count on it, whether it's promoting, spreading the gospel, spreading your message, explaining the arguments, you know, up and down the country, providing a platform and meetings to explain the situation, 
So what we're facing here, you can count on it. We'll always be there for you. Just as I know... <laughs> just as I know that when other football clubs have had their battles to fight, they've always been able to count on support from Newcastle United fans as well because that sort of solidarity is in our blood and it flows throughout football as well. I think I would like to pay testimony to the fact that you've been able to sustain the campaign that you have done so far. One of the things you're going to need, and you can find examples and inspiration from elsewhere in this campaign, is resilience. He might sell the club next week. He might be in for the long haul. We don't know. But the one thing in guarantee is we're not going away. We're going to be here because we have Newcastle United in our blood. We might not necessarily all be going to the match. We certainly might not be buying the replica shirts, but we've got, we'll be Newcastle United to the core long after Mike Ashley's gone, whenever that is. You need a bit of resilience. But you can see inspiration from elsewhere. Blackpool fans have been boycotting their games now for nearly 10 years. They've had owners arguably worse than Mike Ashley. It's a bit of a debate. It's not a competition exactly here. But they have had a chairman who's a convicted rapist who, when he's forced to stand down, hands it over to his son, who was then condemned as being dishonest by a high court judge, forced to give up his chairmanship of the football club and does the honourable and decent thing of handing it over to his sister so that it remains in the family dynasty. That's the situation at Blackpool Football Club. You're not alone in your sort of battles that you've got to do, but there are lessons and inspiration. They continue after years to boycott, to pressure, and to fight for a change in the situation there. I'm impressed as well, and I think you're on the right track, with looking broader, beyond the immediate confines of football and looking at the vulnerabilities of Mike Ashley. Sports Direct is clearly his flagship. That's clearly where he's made his reputation and where he's made his billions. And that company itself is a disgrace in the way it conducts its business in the way it treats its workers. And the fact that you've established an alliance with those representatives of the workers, that you've taken up those issues, the connections with the National Stop Skewers Network that I saw on the, on the Northumberland Street protest, building alliances, people with common interest against a common enemy, is the principle of a successful campaign. I think you've done extremely well, and from what she, she was saying, it's going to continue in researching in finding reasoned arguments, uncovering the hidden facts about the situation, and that's got, to be, that's got to continue. And if there's anything we can help with in that, as a national organization, please use us. We can ask questions. We engage at a national level with the Premier League, with the Football Association, and with the, the Football League, and various other bodies in football, as well as obviously the, your colleagues in Parliament and government positions as well. What we find, we have more clarity and more transparency at the meetings with the Premier League at national level than you could ever dream of having at Newcastle United. We've had progress in elements of that. For instance, there's, there was an expert working group. It's not exactly the sexiest thing that happened in football, of course, the last few years, but the, the government established an expert working group into supporter engagement of how clubs should engage with their own fans. That government, the government, uh, expert working group published a report which the sports minister said has demanded be implemented and we're now in the second season of it and there are requirements of that for every club to engage with its fan base through a fans forum one of the requirements in the government report is that that fans forum 
should be established on democratic principles with ban representatives elected to it to represent the views of supporters. Guess who's one of the half dozen clubs who hasn't fulfilled that rule, who hasn't lived up to that? Do you remember the elections to make sure that you get fans forum representatives who, are, who will fight the faith and take your issues forward? The fans forum at Newcastle is primarily selected by the club, and that is not what I call democratic principles for supporter representation. We'll be taking that up with the sports minister. It's also against all of the Premier League's rules and guidelines that we'll be taking it up with, the, with them as well. I'll add one or two words of caution. One of them is, be careful what you wish for. Because the sad thing about this is, if Mike Ashley goes tomorrow, we will all be delighted to see the back of Mike Ashley. And we'll have a party, as the song goes, for Mike Ashley Rhymes. But I've been through, and Ian gave the litany before, I've been through enough owners of Newcastle United to know, how, to remember how many of them came in in a fanfare because they weren't the old one and then we found out before very long that actually they've got the odd little flaw of their own. The sad thing about all of this is is that football supporters, we don't own the football clubs. The football clubs in this country are traded like commodities, they're businesses and it's all done on business principles and we have no say in the matter. That transaction will be carried out over our heads. We'll have no say in the matter. And it saddens me to think that the football fans are up and down the country, not just here, are in the position where we are hoping that we get a better billionaire than somebody else's billionaire to own the thing which is so important and so central to our lives. And that's the fundamental question for me, is about what the position of football is in society. It should not be the plaything of billionaires toys for them to pass on to their relatives or to, to, for, for them to you know, live out their fantasies. These are organisations that embody the spirit of a community. It's about sport. It's about competition, but it's about identity and it's about community. These football clubs shouldn't be treated just like businesses like any other, but they don't even have the same degree of regulation as other businesses have. If you want to have a PLC and you want to have a board of directors, you are required by law to have independent directors on the board to, to check for good governance. It's not the case in football. I can't think of anybody better to be in. What's the definition of an independent, of an indi qualification for an independent director? It should be somebody who knows a bit about and understands the industry that they're involved in, but doesn't have a direct ben financial beneficial relationship with that industry. Well, in football, I can't think of a better definition of independent than football fans themselves. People who care about the industry, people who understand about the industry, but don't generate and don't gain a penny from it. In fact, we pour money into it every week. So that for me, the case for support and representation on the boards of football clubs is absolutely unanswerable. That's one of the routes whereby you cut through all this mystery about how it happens with the money. If there's a fan representative on the board, then that fan representative is entitled to see all of the accounts, to know every transaction that's going on, to know exactly what the flow of money in and out of the club, and to have a voice in determining the interest. And that's, th th at the very least, 
I would love to see a situation where business didn't come into football, where football clubs were based on members, where fans made up. And this is what the situation, if you look at Germany now, we have a battle for the soul of German football taking on place because most of the German clubs are membership owned. That the 51% stake is guaranteed that the membership base have 51% of the votes in all decisions of German football clubs. And I think that's a much healthier situation than we have at the moment where the billionaires make the decisions. Now, the sad state of affairs is there isn't one example of a successful football club at the top level going from private ownership to, mem to, to members' ownership. The only time they think that's a good idea to have supporter ownership is when the club's gone bankrupt and they require football supporters to put their hands in their own pocket to rescue somebody else's failing business. To, to, to save the, 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 the assets for the community, to rescue the football club. But the idea that you have a fan base of 50,000 at Newcastle and the rest that's mirrored in football clubs up and down the country without a voice for that fan base, without the voice for the people who put the money in. Because for all this sake, they talk about, you know, ticket money is only a small proportion of the gate money now. Where the hell does the telly money come from? It comes from football fans you're more likely to have a subscription to Sky football channels, to BT football channels, if you're a season ticket holder at a football ground than you are if you, ha if you haven't got a season ticket. It's a fact. You know, football fans tend to be crackers and obsessive and find the money from somewhere to get their fix of football over time. There's not an artificial division between those who go to the matches and those who, 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 who watch it on the telly. I do both. For, for most, but all of the money that's generated from football comes out of the pockets of ordinary working people who like football, who love the sport, who are committed to it, who identify their community. It's the heart and soul. It's part of their lives. That's where it's all come from. That's what's being exploited. The idea that the people who generate and invest that money, we are the biggest investors in football. The idea that those people should be completely unrepresented in the bodies and the structures of the game in the clubs at club level, in the leagues and the, and the football association and all the bodies that are due to regulate, for me, is ridiculous. And so we've been making the point and we will continue to make the point. If football does not reform itself and regulate itself, then we're going to have to go to our parliamentary colleagues here and say, if football won't fix itself, you're going to have to step in and do something about this. We're going to have to legislate to make sure that football is properly regulated, that it's treated not just like another business, where the customers can be abused and ridden roughshod rough over. But it's part of our communities, it's part of our lives, we need to do something about that. The number one lesson, though, has already been learned, and I can see that from here now. To start off, you've got to get organised, and you've got to organise. That's the very essential first step. You've got to stay organised. You've got to learn the arguments. You've got to challenge the detail. You've got to prepare your ground, and you've got to spread that message and get more people involved. You've got an astonishing amount of unity here, which is very impressive. I mean, I've been around Newcastle fans long enough to know that if you know, the whole terrain, if we're caught out with each other, dead easy over various different things. And there's lots of people in groups involved in this coalition that is the Magpie Group. And that brings joy to my heart because that's a recipe for success if you can build that coalition together. There will be different ideas. I, I think it's an excellent idea what you're doing with the papers of coming up with a different options for campaigning methods going forward. But what I'd say to you is, from experience, respect everybody's means of protesting and campaigning. Keep the unity. Don't ever let it become a battle 
between those who boycott versus those who don't buy the shirt versus those who go to the match and hold a banner up, whatever. You're all pulling the same direction. Respect each other's various different forms of protest. You're all pulling the same direction. Somebody who doesn't boycott's not a scab. They're just, people have explained, it's not the same as an industrial dispute in that sense. People fight in different ways and you've got to respect and bring and pull all that together. You've got an incredible amount of unity. Keep that going, respect each other. You've, I think, also set a really good tone from the point of view of the, the criticism and stuff. I know how easy it is to lapse into swearing <laughs> and occasionally on social media getting a little bit carried away. But I think what you've done is you've set a really honorable tone, is that you've been respectful of other people, you've challenged the argument, you've challenged the sins and the crimes of the owner without getting into abuse. And I think that's really, that's really important. You've got that moral high ground. Keep it, because it's a great place to fight a battle from. I wish you every success. And if there's anything that the Football Supporters Federation can do that you can think of, if you want to be put in contact with fans from other clubs, if you want you know, to publicise activities that you're doing, if you've got ideas for things that we can research, if you've got protests that you want us to publicise, say the word, because up and down the country, football supporters know that our fight will one day be their fight and we all deserve better respect in the game than we're getting from that match. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Um, right, um, we're going to uh, move on to the, the second half of the, the meeting straight away. We're not having a break this time. Um, so uh, we'll move straight into uh, comments and questions. Um, if you want to say anything, then uh, raise your hand and uh, we'll get a, a microphone to you so you can, um, so you can have your piece. Just a Hello. Um, say, could you say who you are, please? I'm Christopher. Okay, I just want to uh, bring attention to the strawberry land uh, at St. James Park, which we all know Mike Ashley owns, uh, through some way of buying it off the club. <laughs> okay, um, now he currently has planning permission for a development there, which would not only prevent the expansion of uh, the Gallagher End, which is the only way St. James Park can expand, but also prevent the expansion of the metro from from the, from St. James Park, which would be pretty much the only way the metro could expand into the west end of the city, where many people live in poverty. Um, he's been requested to liaise with Nexus to figure out a solution which would allow this, um, allow the metro to, to expand in future. And the, the solution is basically to bring back one of these buildings by a few meters. The permission was granted about 18 months ago. So far, he has refused to change the plans, which would allow both the expansion of the Gallagate and the Metro. This, to me, indicates that he's not only willing to fight the fans of Newcastle, but the ordinary citizens. So I want to ask the MPs, like, what can you do? I know it's really not your area, but is there any way to 
liaise with your uh, counterparts in the Civic Centre? Is there any way to get a CPO on the line to buy it from Ashley so we can save it for the future of the city? Not just the club, but the city. You know, and I also want to ask the media here. I also want to ask we're media, we're media members here. You know, it's not really been known about. I only know about it because I'm interested in architecture, development, locally. I only know about it because of that. So many people here wouldn't know about it. No one knows about it. It's not in the media. So is it possible to put it through in the media? So everyone knows that he's fighting not just the fans, but the citizens of Newcastle, not just the citizens and the fans now, but them in future. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll take a couple more and then we'll, uh, we'll allow Chi and uh, Ian their, uh, their feedback, as it were, and maybe Kevin as well. Hey, hello. Hi. Hi, uh, I was just wondering, just following on uh, the point from the, the lad made over there, basically he's holding with a ransom. I was just wondering, has it ever been looked where we could also hold him to ransom? I seem to recall that he doesn't own the land the ground is built on. The freemen do, uh, and he pays the freemen rent every year, which has got to be negotiated. And being a freeman myself, I kind of know, you know, we've always played ball with them. Even at one point a few years ago where they made a major financial cock-up and actually brought it to their attention and let them off the hook. So I was just wondering, when the renegotiation comes round, what happens if the freemen say no more? Where are you going to play your football? So I was just wondering if you could, in your position, is there MPs? If you could maybe have a word with the more senior members of the Freeman. <laughs> Len Fennick. <coughs> and um, just see sort of what sort of pressure you can put on there because really it's all right having stadium, despite its uh, slow decay, but ultimately you do need a football pitch, and uh, that's owned by the Freeman, so I was just wondering where we could go with that, and so make work and maybe look into. Thanks. Thank you. I haven't got a question, it was more so what happened on Saturday at the match. Um, it was the first time that I've been really kind of angry at the match. Uh, take me at your old son. Uh, love going. Absolutely love it. Best, best place in the world to go. And on Saturday when I watched them idiots pull them banners down, um, I kind of got kind of heated like, and I shouldn't be getting heated in front of an eight-year-old. And what I was thinking was, I know obviously you'll probably plan to do plenty more demos at the ground with the flags and things like that. What would happen if 200 people stood around the people who were holding the banners over and decided just basically not to move? Um, <clears throat> they don't have to, people don't have to get aggressive. They can just stand together. And if them morons come over and start pushing you, can we, can we say to the police, excuse me, assault? 
you know, because at the end of the day, what's that about? You've got Kevin Keegan, massive legend. You've got Rafa Benitez, who's basically only our currently life support. And you've got idiots pulling them flags down. I mean, to be honest with you, when I was standing there, I was surprised there wasn't more, how can I put it, anger. People literally running up and kicking the shit out of the people who were doing it. And for 90, to be honest with you, for 90 minutes on Saturday, I didn't really enjoy the game. Uh, the game's be kind of become irrelevant. I could see Mike Ashley in the stand from where I sit, um, obviously across the pitch. And all I wanted to happen for 90 minutes was somebody to go in and smash his head in. Um, and, and, and Saturday was a massive low because when you get home, um, I enjoy my family life. I don't want to think about the football when I get home. I want to chill out. Um, and then he pops up on telly laughing. You know, he's laughing. He's laughing at everyone. He's laughing at every single supporter, which is just absolutely disgusting. So, you know, just going back to what I said initially, if people want to put banners up, I'd certainly stand in stewards' way. Um, I wouldn't do it in an aggressive manner. But if there was enough people to stand there, I don't see how people should be removing those particular banners because at the end of the day those people are local heroes as far as I'm concerned Thank you. Thank you. sorry this is just a follow-up to the gentleman on, on my left here I don't know whether anybody understands the character that we're dealing with but um the land that he's talking about was owned by our football club. When he bought our football club, he then created another two companies that he then sold that land to. He took that money directly out of our football club and passed it to companies that he could then sell that land on to. It, I, I think it's about 10 million quid taken straight off our football club's value. And uh, he, he's just asset stripping all the time. I, I don't know who's seen the, the signs and uh, and the, the information that's been passed from the, from the guys at Rangers in terms that every pound that was spent, sorry, out of every 10 pounds that was spent at Rangers, four pence went to that football club. And he only owned 10% of Rangers. He owns all of Newcastle. He can do what he wants. We have to get rid of him. And we have to prove that he's channeling money out and he is taking it out, sadly, legally, which is where the MPs are going to struggle. But they've got to flag this up. He puts up companies and the two... Co I don't know whether Chris Holt is here. But he will no doubt put on, on Twitter tomorrow that the companies that were created to take that money at Newcastle United did not have him listed as a director until that sale went through. He's ripping us off. And I don't know how we do this, and I do apologise, MPs, but we need to tear that bastard's head off somehow. Hi. Um, I just want to say I think everybody's doing an amazing job. Uh, we're winning the PR war, um, or PR battle, I should say, really, but um, there's a war still to be won. 
and Ashley turning up in the ground and grinning and laughing and turning up at the Crystal Palace game as well. As far as I'm concerned, he's decided he's going to brazen it out. And I, know, I don't know if people have already voted with their cards, but it's just, I personally think, we've got to now put this in the ground to an audience of millions because, frankly, the people outside the ground, I, I don't think he cares. Like, we've done a great job in terms of the press and the media realising what he's all about, but it has to be put in front of an audience of millions now. I think it has to be in the ground in whatever shape or form, ultimately leading to a boycott. Okay, thank you. Yeah, okay, so I'm just going to get the, uh, give the MPs a chance to, uh, to put in their two pennies now, if you don't mind. Um, I think there's about three or four chances that, uh, three or four questions we've had, and perhaps more. We'll do as a, as a double act, Dean and I are used to being a double act across the, across the time, and um, I'm afraid I have to go after this round of questions, because um, I'm getting the, I've got, I've got, um, I'm speaking at a two things in London tomorrow, so I'm getting the last train down. So, um, um, but, so, you know, like the points about the land and the strawberry and how it was sold, you know, I agree with you totally about, sorry, let me say, I'm not going <laughs> to advocate, I am, in fact, I'm going to criticise any adv advocating any kind of violence or even using violent language because it's not, it's, yeah, I, I, even as a metaphor, it's not, um, you know, I, I, you know that, that's not what I believe in, but, you know, I understand it, com it comes from passion, but I, you know, I, I would like to, but I think, you know, I think your ultimate point, not that, no, we're going up heads, but the point about, the point about the money in the finance, you know, and that is what I am going to be, what I'm going to be focused on. And this thing about taking, you know, so he owns the club, so you can just take everything out and put it somewhere else, and yet it's that, yeah, and the, the club is left as it was. No, the club is still, is, so what he sells on is, is less value, you know, the, and somehow because he owns the club, there's no protection on those assets, which are assets of the club and assets of all of ours as fans, I would say. It, so, so, so what I'm going to so in what I'm going to do is definitely look at those transactions and look at raising the profile. Because the thing is, there is a you know, the, so you're right, it's legal what he's doing. But at the same time, he's supposed to be a fit and proper person to be to own a football club. And um, how can you how can you judge if someone's a fit and proper person if you've got no visit if you can't see what their financial transactions are, uh, and you can't see you can't see what they're doing? And is it fit and proper to be asset stripping? I would say. No, you know, that's a simple question. It's not, it's not fit and proper. If you're a football fan, a football owner, it's not fit and proper to be stripping off the assets into other, uh, into other companies and leaving the football club to fend for itself on, with no investment. So that's exactly what I'm going to try and look at and follow and raise the, raise the issue. Because I think, again, you know, if we make this damaging enough, I am sure Mike Ashley has other financial interests which are more valuable to him which will be undermined by showing some of the, what's going on. And just to say, the, the points made about Sports Direct and what he does there, you know, that is, you know, that's also really important. So I agree with you. In terms of the land around the strawberry, I, I was going to raise that and investigate that and put questions about that. I don't know whether Newcastle Council can put on a CO, uh, put together, but I think you're making a really good point and I will, ra I will raise it and I'll write to them about it. 
for the three men, because I've been, I've dealt with them. I've dealt with the three men around a couple of things, like the Tower Moor and um, memorials. The three, and also, do you remember that roundabout in um, Gosforth that the um, that was being proposed was on Freeman land. As I understand it, the land of the Freemen is there, is held by the Freemen, but in trust for the people of Newcastle. It's got to be used for the benefit of the people of Newcastle. And you can argue, I would argue, whether what Aspen's doing now with that land is for the benefit of the people of Newcastle. Yeah, it's certainly not for, you know. Yeah. I think the charter or whatever it is so it says something about for the benefit and health and well-being of the people of Newcastle. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's, so I will, um, you know, I'll raise it. Again, you make a good point, and I'll take, I've taken a note here, and I'll raise it with, with the Freeman. I think, you know, just sort of, because I'm, as I said, I've got to go, I think we've got a, you know, take this battle, and I, you know, I don't like violent words, but you know, this is a this is a battle. I think we've got to do it on many fronts, because um, there isn't there isn't because as you know, I, you know, as was said, because of the way the legislation is set up, there isn't a clear thing we can say. He's doing this; he can't own the club. You know, we've got to take this battle on many fronts. Look at the finance. Look at the ownership. Look at Newcastle. What the what the council what the council is doing. I think it's really important points that you know Kevin made about is he the best billionaire out there? Why do we have to have a billionaire running our club, owning our club? You know, but whilst that is the case, and you know, we've got to uh, we've got to just highlight, publicise, campaign on ev every issue until you know by drip, 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 or bad headline, bad headline, bad headline it becomes untenable for, for uh, Mike Ashley to continue his uh, reign at our club. Just a, a couple of things. Um, the CPO thing is really quite difficult because for New Newcastle City Council to put a compulsory purchase order on and then defend that in a court of law, because you would undoubtedly challenge it in a court of law, there would have to be a good planning use for that compulsory purchase before you put the compulsory purchase together. So it would be really quite technically difficult. I mean, in OK, Newcastle City Council could say, well, we want to, to buy the land back for the, ex for the expansion of St. James's Park, but he's the owner of St. James's Park uh, and the club, and he would say, I've got no plans to expand St. James's Park, so therefore your compulsory purchase is put together on a false premise. You'd have to be able to defend it in a court of law, and I'm afraid to say I think that would be very, very tenuous indeed. Um, uh, well, the, the Metro, the Met um, I'm not aware of any proposals currently that Nexus have to expand Metro to the west end of Newcastle because... To expand towards the west end of Newcastle, you'd have to do it via tunnelling, which is massively expensive, uh, given the, the geology of the area. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad I know a little, little bit of stuff about this, but before being the MP, I was the deputy leader of Gateshead Council, so I used to get involved in some of this nonsense. So, so you know, and, 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 and if there are no plans that Nexus currently have to expand the metro in that direction via tunnelling, I think we would be really, really, really struggling. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you. Um, the leasehold thing, 
Now, I can't remember the terms of the lease that the Freeman have got with Newcastle United. I can't remember if it's a 99-year lease or 125-year lease, but it's, it's a, it's a long-term lease. And it, it, I think it could be 125 years, or it could even be 999 years. 125. Now, you see, the thing is, Newcastle United, when it was owned by John Hall and Freddie Shepard and them, had to have a lease of that length so that you'd get the money from the banks to redevelop the ground. Now, this is what was struck me as, as a bit odd, because Mike Ashley was this whiz kid businessman, and he'd obviously done his due diligence on Newcastle United as an entity, because when he bought Newcastle United for a, a given price, was it 135 million or something of that nature? Yeah. Um, the 54 million pounds that Newcastle United owned Barclays became immediately liable on the transfer of ownership. That's what a whiz kid businessman he was. So he had to pay, repay that debt um, immediately. But, the, but the, the freehold and the leasehold is a long-term lease, but with um, rent reviews, I think, on, a, on, a, on an uh, every 10-year basis. So really, the only um, argument that the freemen of the city would have would be when it came to a rent review at a 10-year period, and even then, with a 125-year lease, that all it would quibble about would be the value of the rental on an annual basis. So, you know, we're, we're getting into kind of in, in into legal stuff. Lee, I, I, I entirely sympathise, right, about the banners and about protecting the people who are waving the banners. And I think it's entirely plausible for people in a peaceful way to, to try and provide some sort of human shield for the guys holding the banners. But I would honestly urge everybody not to get involved in any kind of frat law with stewards. See you, Chi, anyway. Give Chi a round of applause, everybody, by the way. Yes. So, so protect the banner, guys, the best that you can, but without raising your hands. Because let's not forget, by the way, the poor buggers in the orange vests, the stewards, are on minimum wage anyway. You know, and they're just doing what they're told to do in order to earn a crust. You know, and, um, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, it has to be said, poor souls. I mean, I, I, as I say, I, I'm in the Gallagher end, and I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, some of the lads and lasses there who were dressed up as stewards couldn't punch their way out we had a wet paper bag. You know, I mean, the, the poor, poor lads and lasses. So what we didn't want to do is get the stewards involved. They're just following orders, you know, to a large extent. And, you know, they're really kind of concerned that if they don't follow orders, well, they won't be doing that job in the gig economy the next week. So let's have a bit of sympathy for them as well. And, and you know, I think we've got to be cute. I mean, I think some of the chanting, by the way, at the weekend was brilliant. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I, if we can get the Gallagher end in the corner and that, right, singing, um, you know, you can stuff Sports Direct somewhere that the sun don't shine, well, that's fine. You know, but, you know, and, and get it out there because there's no... Well, it, well, it, 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 well, no, it, it, it may well have felt affect the players, but I tell you what affects the players even more, Simon, um, not having decent players playing on the pitch around them. Um, and, and, and there's no doubt about it. Look here. I, 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 I love Newcastle United, and I'll, and I'll give them players 110% support week in, week out. But, but the thing is, I think we should be getting a message to the players that if we're criticising the owner, we're not criticising them. And by the way, 
even though some of those players aren't very good, at least they're trying. They're, they are trying. We've had, we've had decades of that. You know, we've had decades of that. I mean, I, I was in a conversation earlier on, and, and, and somebody was mentioning when um, Billy Whitehurst was the centre-forward for, for Newcastle, and how, and how we've had some bad centre-forwards over the years. And I got into an argument with a Sunderland fan about this, and, 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 and he named a whole range of centre-forwards that we'd have over the years, which sadly weren't great at the time. But I was able to trump them all with Wayne Entwistle, but there we go, you know. Um, you know, so, so you know, you know we've, we've got to keep on plugging away. Let's do it legally. Let's do it clever. Let's do it clever. But, you know, let's not get ourselves into any situations where people are getting agitated at the point of threatening to use violence because it'll be counterproductive, absolutely. Mike Ashley will use that against us morning, noon, and night. Okay, this, um, I think this is about um, maybe trying to do a, have a slightly different tactic in terms of um, solving the problems that we're facing at Newcastle United. Thanks very much. I'm very grateful that um, the Magpie Group uh, agreed in advance this evening that I could have a few minutes of your time to, to talk about something a bit new, a bit, something a bit different. Now, it's been mentioned already this evening about having uh, fans represented on the board. And what I'm going to talk about is a way that we can go about accomplishing that. My name's Rex Winter, and I've recently formed a campaign group called Save NUFC. Now, the newspaper headline for the Save NUFC campaign, if, um, <clears throat> if Mark ever gave us one, uh, would be something like this. It would be, Newcastle fans hope to raise £50 million to buy a stake in the club. Now, probably you and many other fans reading that headline would say, oh yeah, and move on to something else. The sort of newspaper headline that captures my imagination and I hope might capture yours is this. It would only cost fans eight pounds a month to rescue the club from Mike Ashley. I'm here this evening to tell you two things. One is why we should do this, but of course, much more importantly, is how on earth would we do this? So the first question is why? Well, if the club really is up for sale, and Mike Ashley is the only one who really knows whether it is up for sale, it seems absolutely certain that Mike Ashley is going to want a financial premium for the club over and above any existing valuation. There's many reasons for that premium, the main one being the benefit to him of the sport's direct brand. What I'm proposing is that the fans raise £50 million. We form an alliance with any new purchaser, and with that £50 million, we're able to make Mike Ashley an offer that he couldn't afford to refuse. In the new NUFC, fans would have seats on the board. So, the second part of the presentation is this, is how on earth would we do that? But as fanciful as it sounds, there is a way to do that, and it might not be terribly expensive. So bear with me, it'll just take a few moments. We've developed a draft scheme where raising 50 million pounds would cost fans as little as eight pounds a month, or even be 
absolutely free. And it works like this. The scheme involves £50,000 each investing in a £1,000 bond. That gives us our £50 million. But the key to the scheme is that buying that bond is made affordable. It's made affordable by providing a loan. A loan for that £1,000 to be repaid over 20 years. The cost of the loan will be in the region of £8 a month. Now, £8 a month is a significant sum for some people, but it's a drop in the ocean for a lot of others. Bear in mind, we've already got 40,000, nearly 40,000 season ticket holders committed to paying between 400 and nearly £800 a year. Would they pay an extra £8 a month to get Mike Ashley out of the boardroom? Would they pay an extra £800 a month to watch Newcastle play Barcelona at home? Well, I think that the answer to that question might possibly be yes. Although this would be legally a loan agreement subject to regulation, it would feel more like a membership fee exclusive club. So £8 a month is all it would cost, but it gets better. Bondholders would be issued with a loyalty card offering discounts from a number of local and national retailers. Now, those retailers would give you discount because they would capture 50,000 extra customers. Those discount deals would be worth at least £100 a year. So with the loyalty card in your hand, you'll get back every penny that you're spending on the loan for the bond. It ends up being free. You'd also be a shareholder in this scheme and ultimately perhaps a shareholder in the new NUFC. I'm nearly finished. <laughs> to move this forward, the absolutely crucial and critical thing we need is expertise. What we need to do is recruit a team of industry experts to work on the detail viability and affordability of, this, of the draft scheme. We need to employ specialists in consumer credit, loyalty card programs, and other disciplines. We need to recruit consultants who are at the very top of their game in the UK. It was once thought impossible to build an atomic bomb. Pay enough experts and lock them in a room together, and you can accomplish absolutely anything you can also make a very big bang. The intention is that our team of experts would present a simple and affordable scheme to the fans, not much different for the one I've just described. How do we start the ball rolling? We do that by raising a fighting fund of £150,000. That would give us sufficient cash to employ our experts and develop the scheme. And all we need fans to do at this stage is donate a fiver to that scheme, to that fighting fund. This club should be an intrinsic part of the city of Newcastle, and as we know, it's far from that in the current regime. With that first five pounds, we just might be able to take the first small step to rescuing the club for our children and future generations. Thank you.
Thanks, Rex. Um, does anyone have any questions for Rex? Steve? Cheers, guys. Um, before I ask you a question, Rex, um, eight years ago today, uh, a group of fans got together uh, and had a protest march. And uh, that protest march was against the board of directors at their football club, right? There's a room like this that started off, and I'm, what I'm trying to get at is the, the responsibility that we have in this room to get the message out as fans. Um, that group of fans marched through that city. It's funny enough, Kevin mentioned Blackpool before. Um, that team played Blackpool that day. I think they got beat. They finished, uh, at that point, I think they were third bottom of the Premiership. Um, but they carried on fighting. Last season, they were in the Champions League final. It was Liverpool. They fought against the board of directors at that club, and they won. And they won because collectively, they stuck together, they pushed and pushed and pushed. They pushed their mates, they pushed their wives, they pushed their girlfriends, they pushed their brothers, their sisters, and they managed to get themselves organised. And they did it from a room like this. Probably with half the number of people that are in this room. But from that came the spirit of Shankly. That's what they call themselves. And that's the responsibility that we have as fans to do what we're doing and to carry it through. And I'm hoping from the little group that we've got in the Magpie group that collectively we can do something like that and keep the pressure on Mike Ashley and push him out. That's our responsibility. And I hope we can all agree to that, that that's what we need to be doing. I've been, I've been involved in this type of thing for the last eight years as well. I, I'm drained. I'm absolutely drained. I was listening to Lee there before, and I, I put a tweet up, and I said, you know what? In the 70s, 80s, there's no way that the, the stewards would have got into the corner of the Gallagher and stopped the fans from waving a flag. In fact, I don't think we even had stewards then, but if they managed to get into the Gallagher, they wouldn't have got out the Gallagher with a flag. You can guarantee that. And I know exactly where Lee's coming from, and I think to a man, we all feel exactly the same when we left and we witnessed what happened on Saturday. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again. Now, we've heard many schemes that, that can come together and it's, 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 it's very rewarding and it's very interesting to hear someone like Rex come up with a plan like that. And as I was listening, I'm no finance guy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a normal fan. I've, I've got a little bit of background um, as a businessman, I run my own business, that type of thing. <laughs> I've been involved as well in some of the earlier schemes that we had under NUSC and NUST and some of the people that came up and asked us if we would support various uh, schemes. What always scares me is the financial aspect and how we can guarantee that we're doing things legally, that, that the scheme is, is robust enough that it's not a rip-off scheme. And, I'm, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying that by any, any way, shape or form that that's what you're, what you're planning. But I, I jotted down some little notes as you were talking. I had to nip to the toilet as well, by the way, while he was talking. So I, I might, maybe, I've, maybe you've, you've answered the question before I got there. I'm not sure. Um, what I thought was, I, it sounds great, but it, it rings to me of some sort of like collective investment scheme. Um, 
And that sort of scheme would require the Financial Conduct Authority to get involved. Um, you'd need all sorts of approvals to run a scheme like that. I'm not too sure, but that, that's the, the question I'm asking you because you've brought the topic up. Um, and if that was the situation, then it would probably take months, if not years, to get a scheme approved by the Financial Conduct Authority. Um, I might be wrong. There might be some wonderful way that you can that you can work around that, but I'd be interested to know if, if, if that's true or not, um, because that's what's going on in my head. Um, can we afford that? Can we, can we hang around for months and years? We know that Ashley's been here for 11 years. Um, I'll be long retired um, but if I have to hang around with him for another 11 years, I can guarantee that. Um, to me, the scheme, it, it, it sounds like we're signing up to something that, that is as yet unregulated. Is, it a, is, is that the situation? Um, if I invested, what, what would my protection be? I, that was the first thing I thought. Is it an investment? Am I, am I, am I, have I got something I need to protect? Am I giving something away am I, or whatever? And that's what worries me about, about schemes. And so when you, when you brought it, it was great, brilliant. But there's a lot of a lot of ifs and buts, and there's a lot of things. I sat with Dennis Wise. Not Dennis. Shit, I nearly said Dennis Wise there. <laughs> Christ, I mean, I sat with Kevin Speedy and um, and uh, who else was it? Uh, Graham Roberts. And they come up with a scheme, and I was with Bill in a room. Bill Corkin sitting at the front here, and uh, oh, that's just if you just hand all over your pensions to us, we can have a scheme that'll be you know we can use your pension money. I think anyone who knows what goes on in that sort of situation then and what's happened subsequently, uh, there are hundreds of thousands of people wandering around the, around the, the, the country trying to uh, get their pensions back because they were, they're handed it over as some scheme. So we'll have to be very careful as a, as a fans group. And I'm, I'm sure they're the sort of things that you're now going to look at, Rex, and, and make sure that everything's watertight. Um, Is there a compensation scheme behind it? What would happen if the scheme fell flat? What would happen if we didn't get to the 50 million? That's another question that would ask. What would we do? Would we get our money back? Um, that, that would worry me as a, as, a, as a bloke with no money anyway. You know, <laughs> What am I going to get back? Am I going to get a little bit back or whatever? Um, there's no problem in putting schemes together. And, it, and it's great that we've got someone here who, who wants to do it, but I think what we have to do is we have to be very, very careful as a group. Um, we have to be very careful as individuals. And we have to be very careful collectively. And what we have to remember is that our fight is actually with Mike Ashley. That's the fight we want. We want him out. We want Mike Ashley away from this football club. And we want him away now. And can we afford to hang around and wait and wait and wait? We need to keep the pressure on. And as I said, right at the very beginning... Eight years ago, the Spirit of Shankly managed it. They started something from a room like this, probably with less. Um, and look where they are now. Look where Liverpool Football Club are now. They're now riding high and we're riding low. Um, the manager was Rafa Benitez as well, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much.
I'll have to ask you to be quick, Rex. I'll, be, very, I'll, be, I'll be very quick. Uh, you raised some excellent points. Um, there's a lot of T's to be crossed, a lot of I's to be dotted. What's going to make that process far easier is if we're able to employ experts to do it for us. In terms of financial regulation, yes, it would have to be financially regulated. I've already invited um, the Supporters Trust to, uh, to discuss the whole thing with me. They are a regulated organisation, but this, if we were to raise £50 million, is a much bigger thing that would need their involvement too. And I think the, the, the sort of question you, you asked uh, to, to put fear out of everybody's mind, of course, if we didn't get near 50 million, everybody would get their money back. That, 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 that would be a prerequisite. So thank you very much. Okay. Cheers, Rex. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Moving on. Any more questions? Any more comments? Is it... years that actually equates to 1920 pounds so where's the balance of scale there right sorry after this question i'm going to stop talking about this and we'll move on to other things the draft scheme that i've just put together i did the calculation based on four percent based on simple interest that means that with the interest you're paying back 1600 pounds a year Divided by 20, divided by 12, is £7.50. Okay, thanks, Rex. I'll, okay. I'll talk to you about the sum. Okay, another question? To the back. Hello, um, just a couple of thoughts. Um, I think Kevin bought a good one about different ways of boycotting. I think something that has to be said is no matter which way you do boycotting, fans should not be sniggering other vans based on the way they boycott. I attended a few games every year the last few years. I refused to go this year, I refused free tickets, everything like that. Different people have different ways of boycotting. Um, but I know some Newcastle fans who amazingly support Mike Ashley, ridiculously, um, and they snigger at any suggestion of any time of protest fans do. I would, what I would say as fans is don't think at, at different methods of protesting. Everyone, every fan has their own way of doing things. Um, the unity of the Newcastle, it's going to be how we're going to get my Ashley out of this club is by unity and putting as much pressure on him via different ways, online, offline, via protesting, any other ways, because despite what people might think about my Ashley, people think he doesn't bother about anything, I would say that he, he deploys Keith Bishop to defend him any time there's protests and everything would blow up over September is a complete myth. And we just got to keep pressuring, pressuring Mike Ashley as much as possible. Yeah. I think, I, think the point that, I think the point that Kevin was making in a way was that you know, there, there are a lot of different ways to skin a cat. And um, the, the way that we can do this is by accepting that different people will have different ways of making a protest, different ways of attacking Ashley, whether that's through his own businesses or attending protests or whatever it will be. All of those things are, a cor are the correct thing to do. They're the correct thing to do for the individual concerned. And I think we have to recognize that we're not all going to be thinking the same way on this. 
but as long as we recognize where we want to be at the end of the day. We're following a map. There are different ways of getting to the end direction, the end destination, but we're all going to the same place. Bill? Yeah, um, just want to follow on what the chap there was saying about um, about how Mike actually, I, th I think he is affected by the, the national humiliation. I think he was how he responded to what she was saying with the petition um, and employing Keith Bishop. I totally get that. So I really think the only way to do this is a, a mass boycott. It's not, not it's not realistic to say boycott every game, but let's just have a, a one-off game, make it in front of the sky cameras. So it, he's absolutely humiliated. I think that's the only way to do it. Just a reminder on that point that you do have the uh, the list of eleven things, which I think a boycott is one of the uh, one of the options on there. Over here. Hi, I know we've done marches and stuff, but like we don't really have a figurehead. So like next marches could we get like Keegan or Gutierrez or someone to like actually lead the march? I think that would be a good thing. Get the press involved, get lots of photos, put the pressure on him nationally. We would we would love to be able yeah. We would, we would really, really like that to happen. Um, but it is quite difficult to persuade people who are in the public eye um, to uh, put the names um, and faces to uh, this, this type of protest, uh, we found. Uh, even people who are either former players, long-term fans, whatever, they show a marked reluctance to put their head above the parapet in these sort of situations. Um, so I think what we have to recognize is that it would be great to get that sort, of, um, that sort of participation, but the reality is that the people who are going to make this happen are sitting in this room. Hi, uh, Paul Ferguson from Scunthorpe. I'm a season ticket holder. I travel up to the matches every week. Uh, I have a fan page, and uh, I wanted to share it with the, the fans. Um, being a distant fan, the protests that we do, Kevin mentioned uh, we all protest differently. Uh, the things that we can do are great doing it in the castle. Um, losing the battery. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> Just shout. That's brilliant. Right. Thanks very much. Just a, a quick point on that. Um, the lad who gave you the microphone. Stand. Is, uh, is going to be taking um, names, contact details, and so on of everybody who can contribute in some way. So that will certainly be one of the offers that we'll take up. Uh, I'll be oh, Steve's on my table in the corner there. I had it all lined up, but he sat and put his pint on it. Oh. Uh, so I'll be there if anyone wants to speak to me. 
Okay, thanks. I think we're back on the I realise it's one of the questions on the little chit that you've got, but we need buckets in these meetings to put donations in so you can carry the campaign forward. The other one is, are all the other MPs in the area signed up to something like here, or do we need to start sending letters out to them to get them engaged as well? And have our two MPs that have signed up to this approach the PAC to see if we can get Sports Direct or HMRC about the benefits in kind that Ashley has got so far? Okay, do you want to answer that straight away, Ian? I mean, I, I think it, it probably wouldn't be the Public Accounts Committee, it would probably be the Treasury Select Committee to see if HMRC are actually um, making sure that Mike actually is conducting these tax affairs in, 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 a, in, in a proper way. I mean, the, the thing is, um, I'd love to, I'd love to think he was doing something illegal, so we'd get him. But I've got an awful feeling he's not, because the tax code in this country is so crap. You know, they can get away with murder, and there's awful lot of stuff that seems to be going on, which looks very unethical, but probably is not illegal, and that's probably part of the part of the problem um, that, you ha that, that we, we would have there. In terms of other MPs. Um, I think it's also important to say that a number of other MPs in, in the in the Tyne and Weir area don't necessarily uh, support Newcastle United. Some of them don't support football at all, but there are a number of them who support another team doing the road, um, and 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 maybe they're not that sympathetic. But but I think I think they are sympathetic to the whole general concept of um, openness, transparency, and fairness in football governance, uh, which I think everybody shares uh, collectively. Right, Bef before I ask my question, just like to thank the Magpie Group for what they've been doing so far. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, long, long overdue. The one thing that really pisses me off on a match day, you see you lads, there's protests outside the ground, but just behind you there's thousands of fans inside, number nine bar in the club shops. You go down at half time, they're buying their paints, and they've got their Sports Direct shirt on. How the fuck can we get them on board? Yeah, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> Suggestions on a postcard, please. <laughs> so, uh, I just want to expand on the point that a couple of the lads have made here tonight. I think they're great points, what one's just made there. I was absolutely devastated on Saturday. Not the result, not the football, because that's shite and I'm used to that, but the fact that we had one mortal enemy up 500 yards up there, we let them off the hook big time, big time. We haven't, we've, we haven't got enough people energised to get involved and start giving them hell. You know, there was one stand-up if you hate Ashley. That's not good enough. We've got to be strong on that. We've got to get in his face. He's a very, very thin-skinned man. You know, we need to get under his skin. We need to get in his face. So we need, to, we need to up the game, get people energised and get, as we said, how the fuck do we get the rest of the people involved and get them on board and get them ratched up like us. Okay, we've got time for about another, maybe another couple. So if you want to put your hand up, put it up now. I've got, got it over here. Um, just pick it up again on a few of those points. I think possibly the way you energise people is by just 
um, emphasizing some of the points that we now know in the room. But I, I know from my own personal friends, a lot of them are absolutely don't have a clue about some of the, the points that are coming out on Twitter about the fact that the um, Newcastle Club shop is basically a black and white version of Sports Direct. It isn't technically part of the or I believe it isn't technically part of the club anymore. The fact that the strawberry bit of land it doesn't form part of the club as well. I think we need to be more vocal about what the club represents. I know Chi mentioned before about the fact that the club, uh, we perhaps don't want to devalue the club. Why don't we want to devalue the club? If, if it highlights the fact that whoever's going to come along and potentially make a bid for it isn't making, putting a stupid uh, sort of price forward for it, then I don't think see that as a bad thing. But it also tells other fans how the club is being asset stripped. I think that is the thing it's going to grab um, support amongst our fellow fans who at the moment are still rather too apathetic, unfortunately. Right. Thank you. Hello, I'd like to ask why the, um, the FA couldn't do more with the financial regulation that there's the owners and directors test out there that actually should be completing and the purpose of the test is for the owners, directors and officers of the club to meet standards greater than that required under law so as to protect the reputation and image of the game. I'll pass that over to Kevin. I think he's probably the best informed amongst about for that. I mean, I think clearly morally they should be. They should be doing a lot more. It's actually very difficult on the technical side, and part of the problem is it's like what Ian's alluded to. There are a lot of difficulties in drawing up an owner's and director's fit and proper persons test or whatever uh, you know, the, the various different authorities call it, which actually meets all the requirements because half of the problem is, first of all, they do a test on who's a fit and proper person at the time that they take over a club. And if they haven't done anything which falls foul of that regulation at that particular time, then there's nothing to debar them from actually becoming an owner or a director. Now, a lot of us would argue that those tests, even at that point, should be a lot more stringent. Um, you know, if you get you know, people like Cellino at uh, Leeds becoming a fit and proper person under that sort of test, but you look at some of his past uh, track record and some of the exemptions, I think it's two full of holes. Mike Ashley wouldn't have fallen foul of any of those tests. And I think it's what I was saying before about what part we need to be careful because I'll be honest, when Mike Ashley took over 11 years ago, it wasn't the Mike Ashley that we see now that we thought. We thought we're getting a good billionaire and you would have passed the test at the time. It's very difficult to draw up a test then for stupidity, which is what some bad owners end up making, it, you know, making bad decisions or decisions that we wouldn't agree with. How do you come up with a fit and proper person's test that prevents somebody thinking Joe Kinnear is a football manager? You know, <laughs> the, the, the point I'm making is we, we all know, but it's a matter of opinion. That, that's what It's very hard to have an objective test on some of those things. The other problem that they have with is what they, they have the one-off test, but they don't have an ongoing measure of how people then conduct themselves unless they fall foul of A, a rule, a football rule, or B, the law. And Mike Ashley's been very careful not to have done either of those, either of those things. And again, it, it's something that we wrestle with. We've had meetings, for instance, with the Football League about their fit and proper persons test and how they manage it. And they've said to us, quite frankly, well, what would you like to see is the regulation? 
And we've got away and consulted with lawyers who are coming from our point of view and gone back into discussion with them. And it's actually extremely difficult to come up with a test that's got a fine enough mesh to stop you know, people that you don't want getting through, but also the, the, you know, that um, provides an objective test, not just a subjective one, that you've got to find things that they've actually objectively done wrong. Now, and that's what I was saying before about other people might look at, at Newcastle United and say, well, what's your problem? It's an abstract sort of feeling that he's sucking the soul out of the club, but how you regulate against that and some of the decisions he's made is actually is actually very difficult. There's two. There's not enough transparency. We would be in favour of much more publicity and publication about the financial affairs of a club. I mean, there's so many things that you know, we think they should be more transparent about. I'll just take a little thing at, at random. What's the attendance at a football ground? The football authorities require the publication of the number of tickets sold for a match as being the attendance figure that's published for a football match. Um, the actual number attending a match can be very difficult, very different rather. Uh, the, we have, we've got the statistics through freedom of information requests uh, of what the police figure is, because the police have to record how many people actually go through the game, if, through the gate, if you think about it. That's obviously crucial from a safety point of view, that they know how many are in the game. Did you know the average discrepancy between an Arsenal published figure and their actual figure, the average discrepancy last season was 10,000? That the number of sold tickets were 10,000 higher than the number of people actually in the ground. The worst club was West Ham, who had an average of 13,000 difference between the two. Now, we know the Premier League have both those figures because they get the figures from the, the clubs of how many uh, tickets they've sold, but they also get the figures of how many people actually go through the game. Why can't they publish both of them? Why has one got to be secret and one's got to be... I understand the reason why they originally went for the number of published, uh, the number of sales, and that's because back in the day, and I'm sure there are people here who remember this, you used to see a figure published for an attendance, and it would say 20,000, and you're thinking, there's at least 35,000 in there. And that's because you're taking cash on the turnstile, and you don't want the tax man to know about it, so you take the money quietly from the 15,000, and you, you don't, so that's why they required them. To do, everybody who paid had to be declared, but it, you know, there's, there's clear discrepancy there. I would like to see complete transparency about all of those things across, across football. You come into com conflict about the Companies Act, there's, there's going to be need to be legislation, I think, ultimately, around some of these things. But the, 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 the FA has effectively signed away its rights as a regulator. The power of the FA is in the hands of the Premier League. And as the Premier League keep reminding us, the Premier League is a trade association. It's got 20 shareholders. And all the ideas that which I completely support and we would campaign for, you come up against the stumbling block. If you want the Premier League to introduce tighter regulations, there's an electorate of 20 people who are going to have to vote for it. And you've got to persuade Turkey to vote for Christmas. Why would the other owners of Premier League, the other billionaires, just because Mike Ashley's or what Mike Ashley's doing here, why would they for a vote for a rule which con which limits their own power and their freedom to act in their own self-interest? And that's the difficulty we've got. And that's why I was saying before, if we cannot get football to vote to regulate itself properly, to put its own house in order, then it'll have to come from outside. Football's too important to the country for the politicians to allow it to be run the way it is. Um, I, I wish I could say there's an easy answer on the regulation stuff, and we are, we are, we have engaged some of what we think are the finest minds in football. But 
I mean, some of them are a bit daft and they've had a drink, but you know, so really clever people who get involved in this, and it's a real challenge coming up with regulation that's actually objective tests, not just matters of opinion, something that you can actually apply across, across the board, and then people will actually, in football will actually vote to impose upon themselves. When we talked to the, the Football League about it, it was interesting what they came back and said that they sounded out their shareholders. They've got 72 shareholders, obviously, the Football League, 72 clubs. And what they found, they did a survey of the clubs at the, in the Football League, and they said that most Football League owners are appalled at people like the Oysons at, Black, at Blackpool and the, you know, the, the people at um, Coventry, Duchatelet uh, at, um, at uh, Charlton, and the others. There's a handful of rogue owners, and they're absolutely appalled. They think they do bad, you know, get bad reputation for the game. They don't want to see that happening. I think in, 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 in football, it shouldn't be allowed. Would they vote for tighter regulation? No. And the reason that they won't is because most football league club owners are trying to sell the club. Most clubs in the football league are officially up for sale. And they think if you get tighter regulation, you're going to put people off coming in and buying the club. And that's why I won't do it. I wouldn't do things like tapping at Blackpool. I don't think it should be allowed, but I'm not voting for regulation. And, and that's one of the difficulties. Not the people making the rules up or the people who would be bound by them and potentially suffer. So I'm increasingly of the view, well, we're not going to give up fighting in football to get football to put its own house in order, but I'm increasingly of the view that football is unlikely to sort this out for itself. It's going to have to come from outside. They're going to have to be made to do it. Right. One last point, one last question. I it's from someone who hasn't spoken previously. So you might have found out on your phones now that uh, Ashley's decided of all times and all days to take the Newcastle squad for a meal while we're all here. So that should kind of put in your head what we're up against. He's trying to win a PR battle. Don't ever forget that, okay? He's one man, we're a city, okay? All right, in regards to that PR battle, um, again, uh, she said you follow the numbers. Mike Ashley at Newcastle United decided that this football club did not need a PR company. So he got rid of the PR company. He then bought a PR company, which is called Keith Bishop Associates. People may know that, may know not. So he owns 51% of Newcastle United's PR company. He pays that company up to £16,000 a day to take money out of this football club. It needs everybody standing up and fighting. It needs every, and I know I'm not allowed to say to tear his head off because that's wrong and I get in trouble. But it needs everybody reaching out and telling people and getting the information around. It needs the local press to put it on the front and the back page for what he is doing and stand it up. And, and that's not necessarily a criticism of the local press, but it, it, it's got to be pushed out there and it's not easy for them to do. But that man is absolutely fucking evil. And these stories need to get out there. Right, on, on that note, everyone, uh, there's one point that's been made tonight that I've been asked to address because uh, I don't think it's been covered, and it's what we can do to engage the people that aren't currently engaged. 
and it's a really, really hard question to answer. And the one thing I'm going to say is if you've been to any of the protests, I've bleated on about this time after time after time, and it's that we just have to be just constant. We have to be resilient in this fight. So all the people in this room here, and like if you're in the protest, you might not, but you're in this room now, and it's more numbers that were here last time. There's more people that were at the last protest and the protest before and the protest before that. So the way we're going to grow this and the way we're going to fight it is we're going to stand there week after week after week and we're going to tell them we don't want him in the football club anymore. We don't like how he's operating and we're going to fight him on every single front that we can fight him. We're not going to just sit back anymore and we're not going to take what we've taken for 11 years. I say it every single protest. Chris says it every single protest. The people in this room on Newcastle United, that man's a, uh, a custodian. We have put more money to that football club in a fan base over his ownership than he has. We keep it afloat, and the money from the Premier League and Sky Sports keeps it afloat. So what we need to do is we just need to be here, and we need to be at the protest, and we need to make sure that as a fan base, we're relentless and we don't let up. Because the worst thing that can happen is the apathy that is seeking into St. James's Park every single match day seeps into a room for the people as passionate as us. Because if we come apathetic, the club dies and the passion dies and we can't let that happen. So thank you everyone for coming tonight. I know some people have already gone. Um, feel free to stay and have another pint. Some of us will be staying around to get cleared up if you do want to ask any questions that you haven't been able to ask tonight. But thank you. Oh, yeah, if you could fill in your forms, there'll be people at the door on the way out, you can pass them. Please give your information for the newsletter uh, and how you think we should protest going forward. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.